Well, welcome to the podcast, everyone. I haven't done a podcast in a while, and I'm excited that today I'm in this space with Beth Terrence, who is a, a wonderful friend and colleague who I've spent a lot of time with developing programs, sharing heart-centered points of our lives. And I'm really great grateful to be in this space with you today, Beth. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here with you and really looking forward to our collaboration in March for 31 days of self-compassion, a journey through writing and restorative practices. Absolutely. I, you know, something I, I want to just say to the audience as we're beginning is that, um, like I said, Beth and I've known each other for a long time. I mean, I think it was 2012 maybe when we first started working together and writing stories and connecting around our our passions um but something that's been happening in the background is that we decided to co-lead this 31 days of self-compassion which we've done we've had our 31 days in the or 30 days before but this time it was what was it that we really felt in our hearts was the topic for this time this year on this planet and self-compassion just kept coming up and then also the passion that you and i both have for restorative practices and the importance of having practices that build a stability for our nervous systems that's how i always see it like to build them when we're feeling good and so then when something pops up in the news, something pops up in your family or your work, that there's a place to go back to reconnect with yourself because the power is within the self. So I'm going to um, turn it over to you, Beth, to talk about restorative practices. Uh, I mean, the topic of self-compassion, I feel like it's everywhere in my life right now, which is what happens when you put, put a focus on something. So I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about restorative practices, because that may be something that people aren't familiar with the terminology of what that means. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I look forward to sharing. And actually, it's, it's interesting because um, I wasn't familiar with the terminology restorative practices until um, not even three years ago. I'd, I'd heard of restorative justice, but not restorative practices. Um, and since then, I've gotten a master's degree in restorative practices um, because it was uh, really it was the thing I was looking for um, to study in, in an academic and experiential way that fit with you know, the holistic and shamanic work I've done for a long time. So I'm excited to introduce other folks who might not be familiar uh, with it and also uh, maybe share a little bit about why we're, we're bringing it in, um, you know, to this program, because for folks who've worked with us before, you know, and those who, who haven't, you know, we've tended to do 30 or 31 days of writing as our, as our anchor with different themes. We've, we've focused on grief a couple of times and on visioning. Um, so, and as the Andrea, you know, you shared, you know, we, we're just both feeling like the importance of cultivating um, compassion and 
in our world today and in our lives and relationships. And that starts with self-compassion. So, um, so we're adding restorative practices to, uh, you know, sort of the structure or foundation of our program. Although, um, we'll actually, um, we actually have already been doing it. So I'll, I'll share <laughs> a little bit more as I introduce it. Um, so I wanted to pull up a few slides I created just to kind of give us a, a little bit of information. Okay, so, um, so exploring restorative practices is really, um, it's, as you can see from this image, it's about connection. And uh, so restorative practices and emerging social science, which is something, again, I just learned a few years ago um, that studies how to strengthen relationships between individuals as well as social connections within communities. So it's a science about relationships and community and, and connection is really at the heart of it. And uh, my background has been in holistic and shamanic healing, uh, which is also very much about connection when you think about holistic body, mind, emotion, spirit, and that integration of all of those parts. Um, and in shamanic healing, very much we talk about um, that we are, we are already whole, we just need to remember, but often as we go through life experiences, we're disconnected in some way from parts of ourselves, from others, from nature, um, from our spiritual source, however we define that for ourselves. And so actually the roots of restorative practices, um, although it's a newer social science, go back to, um, to indigenous cultures around the world and to some of those practices, whether, um, you know, at really all indigenous cultures um, have a strong foundation in, in those connections and perhaps um, acknowledging those connections in a much more explicit way um, maybe through ceremony or ritual or, um, you know, community circles. So, um, so that's a big part of restorative practice actually is kind of looking at some of the things we maybe already do um, and making them more explicit in our, and, and acknowledging them and strengthening them. And so in that there's uh, studies show that restorative practices can help to improve and repair relationships. Um, and, you know, just build health and social capital. Um, and then there's a focus on decreasing crime uh, and antisocial behavior, as well as repairing harm and restoring relationships. So um, some of the places uh, restorative practices are used in the area of restorative justice, um, which is a subset and it may be used as an alternative to sentencing. Um, in a community situation where there's been um, a conflict um, and a lot of peacemaking might use restorative processes. So even if you have just heard the term restorative practices, you're actually uh, probably have experienced or are familiar with, you know, different aspects of restorative practices. Get this slide to go. Um, so I just wanted to share this um, restorative practices continuum as part of the um, frameworks of restorative practices. And we talk about like uh, informal to formal range. 
So uh, my introduction to restorative practices was very much, um, you know, before I knew it as a social science was through circles, through different healing circles um, and participating in um, ceremony and ritual um, in different spiritual traditions, some Native American, um, you know, and, and other things like my Sufi practices, um, as well as, as, you know, a lot of different uh, healing modalities might use a circle to come together in community and support a person in healing. And that's something that really uh, originates. So I always view, although it's kind of at the farther end, but sort of near the middle, I view circles as kind of the heart of restorative practices. And, um, but there's a range of practices. So I just wanted to share that. Um, and as I mentioned, um, the restorative justice, that's sort of the more formal end um, of the continuum. And towards the informal end, they talk about affective statements and questions. So that's really using feeling language, um, you know, really being authentic um, with our feelings, what we're experiencing. And, um, and that's something in our program, we're always, using, um, you know, in our writing prompts, we use quest reflections and questions to really get in touch with what we're feeling and share with one another. Um, and then small impromptu conversations can be a part of that. So actually, um, and Andrea and I have talked about this quite a bit, you know, even though we didn't have the language for restorative practices, it's certainly been at the heart um, of many of the programs we've done together and, um, and through um, Heal My Voice program, which Andrea has led for many years. Um, circles have always been an integral part of it in terms of bringing people together to connect um, and to share what's on their hearts uh, and you know, allow their voices to be, um, you know, a part of the community. Um, and so in that, you know, I'd like to also just say when we think about that, um, even though in this program, we're going to be in a virtual community. So we'll uh, we will have some opportunities to connect on Zoom um, for those who'd like to join us in, I guess, real time <laughs> in different places, um, but we're still in a circle. And so that's something um, that coming together in, you know, for 31 days, we're in a community together, even at different times. And so the opportunity in our community Facebook group to, you know, read and reflect on a daily prompt, share your, you know, your um, thoughts and feelings, um, that's a way that we'll be using, you know, affective statements and questions and small impromptu conversations in an ongoing way. Um, so it's really inherent in our, uh, in our program, which is kind of exciting. <laughs> so, um, so in terms of just why we added restorative practices, um, in addition to writing as part and reflection as part of our program, um, again, I, you know, with this idea of being more explicit in our practices about particularly connection and belonging. And so that's something I always say, um, and, I, and it's not just me, but I, I know, um, especially coming from my shamanic roots, um, that disconnection, you know, is perhaps the greatest disease of our time. And, um, and that's something that, you know, has gotten only exasperated exasperated in the last two years since the pandemic. So, um, but even before that, living in our modern culture, 
um, and just the way, um, you know, we are just so busy and there's technology that it's so easy to be disconnected and to actually create connection needs to be something that we do make more explicit that we need to choose to cultivate that connection. And that's with ourselves, others, community and the world we're a part of. Um, so that's really why we've chosen to bring in restorative practices and to name it um, as, uh, you know, as a basis for something we've already been doing. Um, and then that integration with self-compassion, um, which again, um, and we'll, we'll talk more about it as we go through and, and in our, our introduction to the program, we talked about some of the benefits that, again, we live in a time where science meets spirituality and that's kind of what's happened with restorative practices is that something that's been around you know, for millennia as a spiritual and, um, and a, a cultural practice is now developed into a science and a social science where there can be studies of how it works. And so that's really the same with self-compassion. There's so much um, research on um, compassion and meditation practices related to that and how it supports us on all levels, body, mind, emotion, and spirit. And so, um, so when we think about that, uh, you know, building our self-compassion, we are building our sense of connection, uh, building resilience and well-being, and our ability to care for ourselves which is a foundation we need to be connected and in relationship with others. So, um, so and then just the last thing I wanted to say, um, and I feel really strongly about this as a shamanic practitioner, a holistic practitioner and, and, and a restorative practitioner is that, um, and as a human being, <laughs> I guess I'll say living on earth in 2022, uh, perhaps always, but I think, um, definitely now we live in such challenging times um, that having the capacity to know and guide ourselves is essential. It's essential um, part of self-compassion and restorative practices and just being able to, um, to, you know, kind of be in the world today and be and, and, and to flow in a way that we can feel connection with ourselves, with you know, others that we're in relationship with, our communities and the world. Um, so hopefully, um, and actually I'm sure that uh, bringing these two together can only help to strengthen our foundation. So, um, so I, I really do hope you'll join us um, and come and uh, explore with us as we journey through self-compassion. I'm going to close this share. Hang on. Okay. Beth, thanks so much for going through that. I, you know, it is something that we talked about, about really giving a foundation of this languaging of restorative practices. And then by bringing in different practices to demonstrate and show that. Um, I wanted to say to the audience, I know that over the years, because Beth and I love writing so much and have found the power of uh, gaining self-awareness, um, developing self-love, having understanding about things that that writing has, I know, really benefited both of us. And, and I want to say for anyone who's joining us who doesn't really feel like you're a writer, there are different ways to use what we call the reflections and their questions questions you could read the 
the writing prompt and ask yourself a question and then go for a walk or hop in the shower. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've gotten so many answers to questions just by taking a shower, um, sitting in meditation and writing doesn't have to be anything that you would be publishing. This isn't about, uh, there's no grade here. There's no right way or wrong way to express yourself. It's about really getting in touch with what you're feeling that many times can be under the surface and you're not even aware of this unconscious thing that's going on in your life or you're missing signals where your body is giving you messages around feelings. And so it's about developing that connection. Um, and so it could be that you have a journal where you write bullet points or you write just a few words of what happened or you write a few words that remind you of a story of going to get an ice cream cone and you know when you were a child or something it it can be very simple it's about you connecting with yourself and then letting that part of you that you weren't in touch with um, bubble up. And it's funny because I paused there for a minute because I started to have all of these ideas of things that have come to me recently just by giving myself some space mm -hmm. around asking a question and writing. And there's something about being in the, I call it a field of energy. It's like when you have a group of people who come together with a focus around self-compassion and restorative practices. And then it, it's like something wakes up and you have awareness and there's, there's just, I, it, you know, it's the circle energy mm -hmm. that we hold. It is the, the safe space to express and feel that's in there. And it is, it is a connection. So I wanted to share that, that mm -hmm. piece also. Yeah, definitely. And I know we've talked a lot about um, energy and vibration. And so um, part of that, you know, coming together, um, well, set it, you know, whoever joins us and our, and certainly we've set the intention of creating this um, energetic field that's holding and focused on self-compassion, but there's really like an energetic and alchemical process that happens when we step into that field and when we choose self-compassion and, and particularly even, you know, we're setting a period of time where certainly we want to continue to work with it, but we're going to, in a way, um, dive in and intensify our connection to self-compassion. And, you know, and that's in terms of um, thoughts and ideas, but also really experientially, we'll definitely be bringing in um, some practices that you can do to plant seeds of that. Uh, so that in and itself is creating transformation and healing in each of us individually. But um, then um, as we relate with others, you know, we're carrying that energy out into the world and it's you know so needed at this time. Um, and, it, and I always like to come back to um, loving kindness or metta, which originates in the, in the Buddhist tradition. And, and today, um, loving kindness meditation is considered a secular practice um, that, um, you know, has a lot of 
connection to self-compassion, certainly. Um, and there's a lot of research on, but that really that the core is that we have to start uh, building our foundation uh, within ourselves and be able to offer loving kindness and self-compassion to ourselves so that we can we can um, you know embody that in the world and our relationships. So uh, this is yeah, really I feel it's like right timing based on, on where we are uh, in 2022 to, to be delving into that and deepening our own foundation. So, um, and you touched on actually, Andrea, a couple of things. I forgot I had a couple of quotes I wanted to share. Um, oh, yeah. And that. I want to pull up that side because it, it relates to kind of just a few things you just said. Um, let's see if I can get it. Oh my gosh, I just realized Beth, that I just got a notification on my phone. Uh -huh. You know what the title is? No. Compassion Calling. Cool. It says Venus, Venus is sextile Neptune. Love like it could save the world. Compassion uh -huh. Calling. That's from Chani Nicholas. <laughs> oh, cool. I love her. <laughs> awesome. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, I just pulled these few quotes together when I was thinking about restorative practices. Um, the first is by Margaret Wheatley. It says, circles create soothing space where even reticent people can realize that their voice is welcome. Um, and we really do, um, you know, when we're in circle, um, think of ourselves as, um, you know, all equal and spokes on a wheel in a way. And so there's space for everybody's voice. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, some circle or council guidelines and even our own agreements as a community. So that's something that um, that definitely gives an opportunity. I know for me, I, you know, um, based on my life experiences and particularly um, childhood trauma, like I had a hard time finding my voice. And um, when I first entered into different healing circles, um, and it did take some time, but it was the first time I felt held in a way that I could begin to um, really share my voice. So um, to me, that's something that is really very sacred. So, um, and I know when I first met Andrea back in, you said 2012, I think, and, and I came in to heal my voice, that was a real challenge for me back then, even um, in terms of a particularly a community of women. And, um, and it was, uh, interesting and beautiful to reflect as as we led a, a co-vision group this last year um you know that i was how much growth has come just from participating in those circles for me and in reclaiming my voice and, and being able to share it so very potent <laughs> um and then this quote um from m scott peck there can be no vulnerability without risk there can be no community without vulnerability there can be no peace and ultimately no life without community. So we're all connected and, and, and we need to share, you know, our voices, our hearts and, and what's, what's happening. You know, that's part of that piece is really being acknowledging what's happening and, and opening to one another. So um, the quote that really jumps out at me is the next one. Uh -huh. need, you want to read that one, Andrew? Yeah, we need to learn to be present to ourselves. So we have the capacity to be present to other humans with whom we come into contact. 
Like that's the point of this 31 days is learning to be present to ourselves mm -hmm. so that we have the capacity to be present to other humans. And that's by, um, I don't know the, the two authors. How do you pronounce them? Oh, yeah. Uh, Brummer, Joe Brummer and Mark Thorisborn. They're um, two folks who are very, um, I would say, leaders in the field of restorative practices. Mm -hmm. Joe's from um, Connecticut and Mark is from Australia. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, do you want to read the last one too? Sure. In times of trauma, our personalities are not enough. We are challenged to go beyond our limitations and to look inward to a deeper reality. And so, who is that author? That's, um, uh, uh, <laughs> I know a few different Harveys, so I'm like, I think it's, uh, well, if it's Stephen Harvey or David Harvey. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I can post the uh, link somewhere for the, name of that book so for some reason the, his first name is escaping me right now so, um yeah i mean and and you know i think that's really important when we when we're really tuning into the um you know theme of self-compassion um, and certainly we may all have our personal um traumas and our you know col and collective in different ways in terms of our you know background our culture um, historical traumas, but also collectively, and it's just what's been going on in the world um, the last two years with the pandemic. Um, and certainly now, you know, today we woke up hearing about, um, you know, war in the Ukraine with Russia and, um, and just the, you know, magnitude of, of that, you know, we're, we're living in times where trauma is palpable on, you know, individual and community and collective levels. So we really need to have um, practices and tools that help us to build that resilience and, and strength. Um, and that starts with going within. So, and, and, and from there we can then carry that, you know, out again with, with others in the world, so. I was reminded today, um, I was listening to a, an interview with Brene Brown about leadership. And so there would be, you know, someone might come into this 31 days because they've become aware of some trauma that has surfaced and they want to uh, do some healing around that with the practices, restorative practices and self-compassion. But there are other reasons and that is because you wanna be a better leader and Brene Brown was talking about um, four qualities of leadership that came out of her research, 10 years of research. And it was the ability to rumble with vulnerability. We really learn how to live into our values, building trust, and you've got to know how to reset after failure or disappointment. And so all of these are it's all of these have to do with turning within to build the strength within yourself, self-compassion, and then bringing that leadership. So I, I just wanted to say that, that sometimes I know that you and I are so committed to helping people heal from 
trauma, loss, grief, you know, restoration of, of this part of ourselves. And then it's so that we live fuller lives so that we have, we can bring that out into the world, but going within is the first place. Um, a friend of mine went through, a uh, a breakup, a love in a love relationship back in November. And something she and I have talked about is some, some of the simple ways that before getting on a work call, even of ways of focusing in on herself. And the other day we were talking about some of the practices of just holding yourself for a moment. And both of us automatically went into putting both of our hands on our hearts. And then when we're talking about, oh, just that simple thing, like putting your hand, you know, two hands on your heart, crossing your hands and just breathing in that love of self before getting on to a work call, before uh, doing anything out in the world, but just turning your attention for just a moment for, you know, 15 seconds for 30 seconds or a minute. Of just hands on your heart and breathing that in and that you may say something to yourself like I love you or I feel you or I see you and beginning with that before bringing your leadership into the world so it can be as simple as that yeah wonderful thank you mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is really important that it, we have practices that are simple, you know, that but profound that we can do in each and every moment uh, when we need to. Um, I know one of the things we um, we have been kind of talking about a little bit is the idea of emotional regulation and really um, you know having that ability to cope with stress in a way that's fluid and flexible and adaptive. And I think that's a big part, uh, you know, of what um, self-compassion can offer us and compassion practices you know, can be, a, a, there's a, certainly a, many different ways to practice it. And, and we're gonna explore that, um, but um, yeah, to help create that foundation. Well, I know we're winding up our time here, Beth. Is there anything else that you wanted to speak into our time together? I mean, I know that you and I will be doing other podcasts and bringing some some practices and ways that people can connect either through the podcast or on YouTube with us. Um, and I'll have all of those. Those links are all in the the comment in the description of the show for anyone who wants to know more about that. Um, but is there anything that you want to share today? Um, I, I don't know how we are on time. I was going to maybe do a little practice around a short practice around the circle of loving beings. If we have a few minutes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, I, um, you know, when we when I was sharing about uh, restorative practices and our work with circles, we often tend to think of the outer circle. That is an outer circle. We're connecting with people outside of ourselves, whether in person or virtually, um, or circles that we're a part of. Um, but through um, loving kindness meditation um, and or metta meditation, which is Buddhist practice, the beginning of that practice starts with. Uh, 
cultivating our own foundation for loving kindness and compassion. And there's a practice called the circle of loving beings, which is a way to do that. So in that way, it's creating connection in an inner way. Um, and I think that's sort of one of the um, threads that runs through compassion and restorative practices. So um, I just wanted to give us a few minutes to do that. So I'm gonna invite you to find a comfortable position. You can have your feet flat on the floor, your spine straight, but not tense, your hands on your lap or your legs. And if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes or just have a soft gaze on the floor in front of you. And just taking a few deeper breaths, breathing in for a count of five and out for a count of five. Letting your body and your mind just settle into this moment. And letting your breath fall into its own natural rhythm. And so we'll just begin to create a, our, our own personal circle of loving beings today, maybe with three beings, you can expand this in the future. So I'd like you to call into your circle, someone who you really feel a deep sense of unconditional love or compassion from when you just think of them, your heart lights up. It's really positive feelings, no mixed feelings. Sometimes uh, for me, it's my grandma, Clara. Um, you know, it can be a family member or a good friend. Um, for some people, if they don't have a person, it's an animal, maybe your pet, your dog, or your cat. And if for some reason, even you don't feel that person, it can be a place in nature that you feel this really connects with your heart and you feel this unconditional love and compassion in relation to. So choose one being to begin with. Just imagine they're sitting in front of you. There's a connection from your heart to their heart. With each breath you breathe in, you're just breathing in that energy of loving kindness and compassion. Comes into your body, flows down all the way to the soles of your feet, through your arms and fingers, up into your torso and your neck and head. And as you breathe out, it begins to surround and envelop you. It's continuing to really breathe in and feel this heart connection from this loving being. And then calling in another being. And then again, it can be a friend or family member. You may even want to call in an animal or one of my favorite, most beloved animals is my cat, Percy. So I sometimes bring him in just that sense of real unconditional love. Just imagine this next being sitting around you, that heart connection, breathing in, that sense of connection, love, Letting it fill your whole body, your whole being. On the in-breath, letting it fill and surround you on the out-breath. 
even calling in one more being. And this may be a being that is again, someone you know personally or a place in nature where you just feel that deep sense of connection. But it can also be a universal being, someone you really uh, relate to, who you feel embodies compassion and unconditional love. You know, for some people it's related to their spiritual tradition or religious beliefs. Maybe the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa. Even someone who uh, embodied peace like Gandhi. So thinking of, uh, again, it can be a personal being or a universal being who inspires you and ignites that unconditional love. And imagine they're sitting, sitting near you and now you're sitting in a circle of these three loving beings. But as you connect with this third being, just again, making that heart connection, breathing in that energy of compassion, love, in breath, letting it fill you, filling every atom and cell, your being, and enveloping you on your out breath. Now, really feeling yourself in the center of that circle, knowing you may wish to bring more beings, but for now you have these three whom you have a strong heart connection to. And with each breath, you become more filled with the energy of loving kindness and compassion. And as you breathe out, it surrounds you, your whole circle is full of that energy of loving kindness and compassion. So that inwardly and outwardly, you're just radiating it. Notice how that feels to create this for yourself, to practice self-compassion. Connection. and belonging within yourself. And so, as we are coming back, I'll invite you to take some deeper breaths, just feeling your body. You might wanna move your hands and feet. Let's just ask that any seeds of compassion we've planted in ourselves today radiate out into the world wherever they need to go. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. Feels like a wonderful beginning to our, our 31 day journey together in March. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for uh, bringing that forward. I want to shine a light on something you said in the end, and that is that any seeds of compassion we have uh, cultivated within ourselves to be radiated out into the world. And I want to say to any of the listeners who are hesitant about 
putting yourself first with self-compassion and all is to recognize that the focus on the self builds something within you so that you have more capacity to radiate that out into the world. Mm -hmm. You do it from a place of fullness. And that's, that's the intention. That's the purpose of taking that time for self first. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anything else that you want to say? Any parting words? Um, no, I think we covered all, we covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we did too, but yeah. I, you know, I'm always, uh, it's always important to me that everyone speak what they want to speak when we're yeah. together. Yeah. To, yeah. I guess to, uh, as you, what, with what you just shared, just the one thing related to that um, is that, you know, in a lot of spiritual traditions, there's the concept of like returning to the well um, to fill ourselves and, um, and that is part of why, again, we chose this focus on self-compassion, because um, even if you've had a, a, a practice of loving kindness or metta or self-compassion um, or other spiritual practices, um, you know, the challenging times that we live in require that we really deepen that and, you know, keep coming back to, to fill that well um, so that we can, you know, can we can feel um you know peace within ourselves but also you know carry that into our relationships and, and hopefully spread it in our world so that's definitely a big part of our intention and um why why we we even chose self-compassion rather than compassion overall as our anchor although the two are uh, obviously interconnected so um but to really um reinforce that idea of, of building that foundation within. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the conversation and thank you for collaborating so that we're going to have a wonderful journey together, I know, in this time. And so for anyone who wants to join us, just the links to sign up are in the description here. And yeah. Tune into the energy. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you another time. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.